0: Welcome to the Shilakama Extractive podcast. We are continuing our discussion on mining in the future and the role of mining in climate change. Today, I welcome my guest, Atom Golov. Atom has a multidisciplinary background in economics, engineering and environmental science and 20 years experience in the minerals industry and academia. Throughout his career, he was involved in multiple projects, focusing on recovery metals and other byproducts from mining, industrial and urban waste, and understanding technical and non-technical barriers for better practices in waste management, recycling, mined land rehabilitation. Artem is currently a research fellow at the Center for Mined Land Rehabilitation, Sustainable Minerals Institute, at the University of Queensland in Australia. Otherwise, he is of Russian origin. Atom, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive podcast. It's wonderful to have you as my guest today.
1: Good day, Sheila, and it's nice to to be here too. Always glad to talk about uh, sustainability in mining and circular economy in particular. It's a very popular topic at the moment.
0: That's fantastic. So let's just start there, Atom. What do you mean by the circular economy?
1: Well, there are multiple definitions. And uh, the most importantly probably to start with is it is still evolving. It's, it's not a certain concept, it's an evolving concept. And for me, circular economy means a future industrial uh, as well as social paradigm. Uh, it's an emerging, it's a visionary, it's often provocative and disruptive. What it aims at is uh, to drastically improve our resources uh, and energy efficiency, as well as decrease environmental burdens of economic development. So we know that we use a lot of resources and and that's very important for our growth, for economic development, how we can actually use less and, 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 and have more. So that's what circular economy is essentially is about to, to reuse, recycle, recirculate materials rather than continuing relying on natural
0: resources. Hmm. So um, when people talk about this circular economy, they, they're always also associated with two things: one, uh, the importance of l- limiting global warming through climate change and the second is sustainable development. Could you start first by explaining how the secular economy might contribute positively to countering global warming? Yes, uh, I
1: think they, align very well it's not the same you know sometimes people confused uh, that circular economy it's essentially the same as uh, decarbonization or carbon neutral economy they are similar concepts and uh, circular economy often you know borrows ideas from from other environmental and sustainability uh, disciplines but uh, the the major difference is probably uh, is how we use resources uh, how we achieve um, uh, carbon neutral economy. The circular economy helps us to remove our reliance on uh, primary resources, uh, or at least decrease it. Uh, and in this regard, it is often can help to decarbonize the economy. Uh, in most recently, circular economy also articulates um, such an important aspect as um, regenerating natural systems. So it's it's also important. Um, goal towards climate change.
0: So you talk about primary materials, and I'm sure for you, it's evident how the use of primary materials has a bigger carbon print uh, than the use of recycled materials. Why, uh, what is the difference? And and, and how is one more likely to increase global warming where the other is a, a potential solution?
1: Uh, it is very well known, you know, for many decades that recycling—not not necessarily always the case, but in most cases it's significantly less energy-intensive, especially for metals such as iron or aluminium. Um, and it's very important uh, to recycle as much as we can and design the product that way that, that we can recover those metals. Um, whether the future will be the same, it's it, it, it's hard to tell because you know mining practices they're constantly evolving. Some mining companies even you know set targets to be carbon neutral in twenty years time. Uh, but at the moment, it, it is you know clearly from an energy perspective and from carbon emissions perspective, recycling is much better for the planet.
0: You mentioned that the notion of uh, sustainability. How uh, does the circular economy uh, contribute to sustainable use of uh, mineral substances?
1: Well, essentially circular economy is an idea that we can reuse the materials. So we, we don't need to rely on you know, mining more or bringing more materials. But, but this idea, of course, also depends on how much we already have in the economy. That's relatively recently, again, uh, was recognized that actually we haven't mined enough uh, stuff yet. And in the next 30 years, essentially we will be mining more than we have mined to date for, for many commodities, uh, including you know, iron, aluminum, copper, uh, especially when we're talking about transitioning to carbon neutral economy, uh, to renewable energy generation, um, building new infrastructure in many countries and growing urban population as well. So it all demands a lot of resources. We would like to recycle those resources, but we simply don't have them yet. So we have to mine them first, uh, put them in the economy, put them in use. And then later, of course we can, can decrease our reliance on mining and, and so recycling. At least this is our current plan.
0: So, uh, I mean, the, the, you, you describe this very well. Uh, I mean, Atom, is this theory or is it practice? And, and if it is practice, how extensive is uh, the practice of recycling materials today?
1: Well, I'd say it's both, it's a theory and a practice. But um, again, it's important to remember that recycling is not a new concept. I suppose it's as old as our civilization. So we have been always recycling and reusing the products and materials. And it's relatively recently, maybe you know, last 100 years where we became so so efficient in producing, especially mass production of uh, different materials and products, that we were able or we were kind of able to to waste these products and these materials because it in many cases it was just cheaper to produce new products uh, and to mine new material rather than to reuse and recycle old ones. And of course, you know with technical progress, many products very quickly
0: simply become obsolete and not useful anymore. Hmm. So my assumption is that in order for the secular economy to have the desired impact, uh, scale is important because as you rightly say, there has been some element of recycling throughout history, at least recent history, but it doesn't seem to have had the desired impact. So what will it take for us to be able to scale up the, the practice? Or is this, the practice scalable globally for that matter?
1: Uh, but it's a very good question. And it really depends on the type of uh, metal or type of commodity, type of product, as well as uh, geographic, uh, regional aspect is, is also crucial. Uh, in many can- cases, it requires regulatory support uh there are simply you know in many cases no in- economic incentive to recycle and reuse materials uh in many countries especially you know the developed countries there is a significant waste levy and companies simply and, and people simply cannot afford uh landfill their materials they have to recycle them it becomes cheaper to recycle them to to landfill materials uh, if you look for example, some examples where we, you know, we really achieved very high recycling rates, probably a good example is um, such metal as lead. Not, not many people use it as an example. I'm not, not sure why, but um, the, the major application for lead is uh, lead acid batteries that we use in our cars, and virtually 99% of this lead is recycled every year, and more than half of lead demand is covered by recycled metal and the forecast you know for the next 20 40 years it will go much much higher than than that so that's uh, but but the success for this metal was truly dependent on you know both uh, final use application and regulatory support because it's a um, heavy metal it can be a significant contamination of pollution so, in most countries, it's a strictly regulated um, metal, and it really helped to achieve such high recycling rates
0: so you you mentioned the importance of uh, you know policy interventions, and I can see why. but I, I think uh, of also two potential solutions and, and I'd like you to please comment on that. The first is public education. After all, it is you and I who consume this uh, fast and efficiently produced goods and it it, in many ways some of them are disposed of by ourselves so how much do you think public education is important in pushing and driving uh, recycling of used metals?
1: I think it's absolutely crucial Uh, not just education uh, you know as part of the uh, Kind of government uh, system, early ch- children education, or university education, but also as um, general public information. So we have to be informed to make the right decisions. Whether it's our, uh, uh, you know, kitchen waste or domestic waste, or whether it's, um, you know, decisions what product we should buy. You know, uh, should is it a good time now to buy an electric vehicle, for example? Is it better for the environment? Should I install solar panels on my roof? Again, is it is it uh, clearly the good and the right decision? We and it's you know it all comes with with, with education.
0: When we think of education and policy reforms, can you think of uh, an example of a country or a company? in modern day times that has taken, uh, you know, the meta in hand and, and, and that has succeeded in pushing the notion of recycling. Oh, it's it's a tough question. Um, from a circular
1: economy perspective, it's not so much about recycling, I believe. It's, it's about more efficient material use for efficient product use. So there are examples uh, where some companies, you know, trying to move from selling products to selling services. Uh, one example is, for example, um, you know, intelligent lights as a service or efficient lights as a service. Uh, I think it was pioneered by Philips, where essentially they they bring their own lights. In most cases, very energy efficient, and they install them and they look after them. And when they have a better option, they replace it and take the older product back. Then this company is responsible for recycling. For them, it's you know very important to design the system to be low maintenance, uh, very efficient, as well as uh, as as well as recyclable. But that's this mm. is one example. Another example, probably uh, carpets. Uh, there is a company in Europe that. Um, So as well, carpets as a service. And then they can take it back and recycle. Uh, One more kind of familiar product for us, perhaps it's coffee capsules. Uh, Some coffee capsules are made out of copper and copper is very valuable and very much needed metal. So again, you can design a system, collection system for use of, um, coffee capsules, uh, collect them back, recycle them into metal, as well as uh, recover um, uh, coffee and produce compost, for example, so it's, it's uh, also an option and it's also on the market. There are, however, examples where companies fail, but perhaps we can talk about this another day.
0: Yes, Uh, what I find interesting about what you're saying is that actually for the circular economy concept to be successful, we have to start right at innovation. The the type of products that are designed, the extent to which if they use energy, they are either energy intensive or not. And that if we only think of recycling as in reuse, then we miss the point. It has to be the entire value chain of the product and making sure that at every stage uh, we are take cognizance of environmental impact. Is that correct, uh, Atom? Uh,
1: yes, I believe so, Shayla, yes. Uh, this is probably the major difference between circular economy and recycling economy. Uh, the traditional recycling mainly looks for resources or sometimes it's called low value recycling while circular economy is looking for high value reuse, repurpose, remanufacturing, disassembling, um, as well as recycling as well. Uh, Even in the recycling you can, uh, you know, they introduce such concepts as uh, downcycling and upcycling. Uh, In many cases traditional recycling actually means downcycling, so we use the same material for a lower value application i remember a few years ago some of my colleagues did um, a research on uh, steel flows uh, in japan so what happens to uh steel in in cars in particular they were interested in alloys in cars and japan is very well known as a, a cars manufacturer um, to their surprise they well on, on average one the cars are used for about 10 years and then they have to be scrapped for metal essentially. And most of this metal goes to buildings. So it's not goes back to cars, it goes to a lower value application. And many alloying elements are lost. Uh, I think in the case of Japan, they, they uh, suspected that most of these buildings actually in China. So from being a car in Japan or elsewhere, the the steel and other metals are going to be a building in China which is also important, this recycling, but it's a lower, lower value application.
0: Hmm. I have, sometimes when people speak of uh, the secular economy, I've had them speak of uh, a, a complete mindset change or a complete change in the structure of commerce such that manufacturers don't actually sell the produce that instead they lease it, but they take responsibility for either putting that material back into the secular economy or adapting it for some other use. Can you explain to our listener how this is envisaged? The fact that we move from selling to leasing.
1: Yes, yes, it is a very well known concept. Uh- but it doesn't work everywhere there were hope you know that we can extend this concept and use it for including for metals for example you know mining company doesn't produce copper they just lease copper but in reality is um it's it's very difficult to track the ownership of the resource unless it's a very small amount and very specific service um it so far, it doesn't work on on a global scale. Really, um, it is still a good solution for for local market for particular product. You know, you can lease, for example, your washing machine, or your TV, or your lightning, as as I mentioned, uh, to to be more energy efficient. Um, it' also applicable to mobile phones, for example. It's a very valuable and highly, of course, um, sophisticated product. But the, you know, the, the most researchers found that in many cases, people still prefer to be the owner of the product. Even for cars, it's, it's very well known that if we would share cars, we can achieve significant improvement because most cars simply sit in our garage. Most of the time, we don't really use them that much, but uh, it's still difficult to overcome. It's a, there is a social barrier. People want to have a car they don't want to share necessarily they can share something but uh, but some objects they prefer you know to have to have for themselves
0: hmm. yeah this is interesting i guess this is where public education to change the mindset comes in because now the problem is not so much uh the metal it is rather consumer habits that we have formed over the years where you you want to say, this is my car, this is my, my cell phone. When when we were young uh, and there were no cell phones, we had the landline at home and that was everybody's phone. Now everybody has their own cell phone. And, and unless we break that uh, cycle of consumerism, I've always felt that the challenge of uh, climate change in many ways is not so much about the objects but our consumer habits. And, and I wonder how you feel about that, whether we are focusing uh, unfairly on the companies that mine or pump oil, when in fact, if we just focused on our own consumer habits, do you think we would dent the problem in any way, Atom?
1: Yes, I believe so. Yes, it's um, it's very well, at least for myself personally, I always try you know to 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 make the the right decision when i go shopping whether it's just uh, for food or whether it's um, electronic products or whether it's car or or you know any 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 service you really have to to be uh, environmentally mindful uh, when you make decisions and um, as well as i mentioned earlier, we need more information as customers we have a lot of you know, so-called greenwashing. When companies can advertise, it's a recycled product or it's made out of recyclable material. Is it really recyclable? Is it just a marketing? And in many cases, you know, you need to dig a little bit deeper to understand what happens to the packaging material. You know, if you if you really you, you don't want to buy, uh, you are against plastic, for example. Then you really have to make a decision, and you buy. Products that are not packaged in plastic, and the, the companies, uh, supermarkets, they they respond accordingly. They can package it in paper, they can package it in something else, and they they're trying to avoid plastic as well. So it's, uh, but it's driven, I believe, in in many cases simply by consumers. So we are aware and we demand this, and it should be more and more practiced all over the world.
0: Hmm. The, I mean, the thing that uh, I think is particularly problematic is, is this issue you referred to of defining who owns uh, the metal substance, because it starts off as a chemical substance, which is then processed to become a metal. And and then it can be fabricated in different ways to be used in different products. and And the notion that at some point, you said, "Now you own it; you are the responsible for uh, its disposal or its recycling." It, it seems to me to be quite difficult to try and and do that. Uh, how do you think that problem of saying, you know, this is the legitimate owner of this mineral and they are responsible for its uh, recycling or reuse? How what is the thinking now in the academic field of how that Solution might be approached.
1: Uh, that's a, a good question, but I I believe it's still you know uh, there is an understanding that we live on this planet and all resources they belong to the planet. Uh, uh, however, we have countries, we have borders, and then um, countries want to want to manage their resources more efficiently, and because of this kind of political tensions. We we have some resources supply concerns, especially in the U.S., uh, in the European Union. They know that specific commodities, specific metals, they're not available for for mining in those countries. They come, um, uh, for example, some very much needed high-tech metals come from China, whether directly mined in China or whether processed in China and uh, recycling, is one option how we can avoid this dependence, um, but uh, it's I, I believe it's you know it's up to regulatory. It, it, it's not uh, there is no owner per se on a global market. We, we all we all own you know the, this one planet. We yes we can draw borders and, and and say this is my piece of land, this is my you know piece of river, or, or piece of ocean. But in reality, it's it's everybody's. So it, it's our. It, everyone has to care. It, there is no kind of. Um, I, I don't see. Even in academia, you know, to to make a point that it's someone else, someone is responsible, and other people can just uh, relax and it's uh, it's not their problem. No, it's 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 everyone's.
0: Hmm. I like that idea because. Uh, when I listen generally to public discourse, I, I find that you have the mining companies in, and the metal producers in one block, and then you have the manufacturers, the consumers, and then you have the advocacy and sometimes academic space. And the advocacy, NGO and academic space, and sometimes regulators are looking at everybody else as the perpetrator and 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 they look at themselves if you wish as the adjudicator. I think this is false because I think that what we are seeing with uh, the increase in uh, efficient production, uh, the growth of wealth at individual level internationally and the capacity to consume. I think when you place these three things together, uh, you've got a major problem, and and I, I think every one of us has a role to play, and and I think that if we adopted that approach and not be tempted to say is the mining companies, is the metal producers, then we would we would get somewhere. So I, I agree with you fully that it is fundamentally our our problem. Let me ask you something else. You know, I think entrepreneurship per se is a double-edged sword because for one, entrepreneurship leads to innovation, but also it might lead also uh, to greed. In the area of the secular economy, I've, I've met a couple of people who have established companies uh, and they recycle and they innovate and they do other things. How much do you think entrepreneurship is going to be Part of the solution, just as much as say policy reforms?
1: It has always been important. Uh, and, um, you know, this is sometimes they call it the force, the force capital uh, in the economy. So we have, you know, we have labor, we have uh, uh, capital as m- machines and equipment, uh, we have money, financial capital. But entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial spirit is also a capital and very much crucial for our progress. I hope that circular economy will change uh, the way we behave. It, it's not all. It, it's probably hard to say, you know, from a financial. It's not all about money. It's it's about sustainability is far beyond making money, and and this is the the maybe the. The major problem we are facing and, and the reason we're facing this problem because the biological systems they don't function the same way as uh, our economic system does we are just looking for making more and more money and grow while in uh, in a natural system it's all about resilience and sustainability hopefully the circular economy will help us to find the way out and align our economic principles with natural principles but it's hard to say at at the moment where exactly we may end up and how it will look you know the future future entrepreneurs and future companies that more thinking about community about people but not about themselves not about their shareholders it slowly changes shareholders you know also also change their behavior they try to do more to be kind of socially visible and socially um, right, I suppose. But uh, it, it still will take quite a lot of time, I believe, to, to reach to that level.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was, uh, in my limited knowledge, I narrowed it uh, too unreasonably to consumerism. I think your choice of ways, which is alignment, of economic systems with sustainable development principles. I think that's the key, that the manner in which uh, we have structured world economies, uh, whether they are at sovereign or at corporate level is counterintuitive to uh, sustainable development of minerals. And and that uh, from a policy perspective, from a regulatory perspective, unless we can find the balance I don't know how we get there, but, but I think that is a very uh, important point you make. I, I want to ask you something else, Akin. So I'm an African living in uh, the developing world. And for many economies, raw materials are the hand that feeds the national economy. These economies are very dependent. So it seems to me that for those countries, Speaking now about uh, slowing down the use of primary materials in preference for recycled sources, or for that matter, coming up with technologies that put less demand on raw materials is counterintuitive to their interests. How do we incentivize these countries so that they also see that they have a vested interest economically and environmentally in the secular economy?
1: Well, I I believe you are referring uh, to traditional growth model or economic growth model. And uh, mining is very crucial to provide, especially for developing countries. It it provides a big boost, uh, a lot of foreign investment, uh, a lot of revenue, uh, tax revenue, including. And so, will it be the same in the future? Uh, circular economy is not about growth per se. So we have to change uh, the economic model itself. Uh, it's perhaps it's about being carbon neutral. Uh, it's delivering the right products, uh, eliminating waste. Uh, it's um, you know, if there is a short message where should we invest what policy should we make um, well I, I believe we have to invest in good guys the good mining guys who align their activities with the circular economy that provide a positive social and environmental uh, outcome and, and no no negative legacies hmm. so for very for very long time mining was causing a lot of social and environmental conflicts so it, it must stop um so, so circular economy definitely you know it's it's, it's a good uh, it's a good framework good framework that can help the companies to transition to better practices
0: hmm, that's wonderful so so what you're saying is it's, it's not whether you mine or not it's also how you mine because uh, part of the innovation is departing from uh old methods that were unsustainable to new methods, while at the same time continuing to ensure that we reduce our carbon our footprint. Well, I think, uh, Atom, that is a good note to leave the conversation today. I certainly hope that uh, we can continue our discussion in the future. For now, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to speak to the Sheila Karma Extractive podcast i have found our conversation very enlightening this is a subject matter about which i know very little and i'm sure uh the listeners will find your contributions invaluable thank you Shaila. it's my pleasure